am Joan Hogan, welcoming you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Dr. Rick Holm, our medical expert, is right here next to me, ready to answer your questions. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan. Aren't you introducing I, these young well, ladies you know, and they, uh, men? I should introduce them. Today, I have two grandchildren. Charlie, who's 10, and Katie, who's 7, and they are in visiting from Boston. They have been in South Dakota for almost three weeks now. Wow. They leave tomorrow. They saw the Black Hills. They've been to the university. They helped their cousin, Claire, move into South Dakota State. She's a freshman. Oh, they wow. have been doing it all. Happy to be here, guys? Yeah. You got to get <laughs> close to the microphone or they won't hear you. Katie, did you have something you wanted to say? No, she didn't really <laughs> have anything to say. So I could that, hear that just, nod. No, I, or that, that was a no. That a no, no. Signal. But they're here. They're happy to be here, and they want to see what a radio station is like. And now they're seeing it. I said, Bob does all the work. He sits on one side, and he does, he does a good job. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And yes. talking about work, Doctor Holm has been very, very busy the past week or two or three because this Thursday, tomorrow night, is his premiere show of On Call with the Prairie Doc. We've been running reruns all summer, and tomorrow is the opening show. I'm really excited for you, I'm and I know everyone too. in the TV staff is just ready to roll, right? We're ready to go, and uh, we have new backdrop, and uh, we've kind of cleaned up our act in a variety of ways, and some new things, and uh, you know, it's just a it, amazing thing, this group of people that produce this show and uh, direct the show and and you drag this these poor ins- unsuspecting doctors into the into the space and suddenly they open up and well, you have two unsuspecting ones coming in tomorrow night, right? Yes. We well, ha- your your topic for tomorrow night is organ donation, the gift of life, and it truly is a gift of life. Right. People so, who donate organs. Right. One of the uh, uh, guests is John Birdall from uh, Vance Thompson Vision, who is uh, a cornea cornea transplant expert. That's a tissue transplant. That's a tissue donor uh, kind of a thing. And the other guest is Robert Santella, who is a nephrologist, a kidney specialist, and he is uh, director of the uh, uh, transplant uh, uh, group at Avera, and the kidney transplant uh, is his um, forte. And so we're going to have a cornea transplant and a kidney transplant expert, and also as a roll-in, we're going to have my dear friend from... Um, Florida, who is Skyped in with uh, a, 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 a discussion about what it feels like when you've got kidney failure and you're waiting for a kidney, and he's one who's waiting for a kidney transplant. Is he a doctor or yeah. just a friend? He's oh, an internist. A, he's an internist, doctor, waiting for a transplant now. Correct. Wow. I'm just curious, which organ of our body is the most often transplanted, do you know, or oh, most kidney. common? By, kidney. By far. Kidney is the most common. Yeah. Probably 80% of the organs that are transplanted. Of course, there's liver that are transplanted. There's hearts that are transplanted. Of course, uh, if you look at it, it's something like two or three to one cadaver donors, kidneys, okay. to uh, live kidney donors. You only need two-thirds of a kidney to, to survive unless there's, you know, you've been hit by a spear or an arrow or, you know. Major. So a live person can, can, can and donate often a does kidney. donate a kidney. You but can't often donate a heart. 
You can donate a liver or part <laughs> of your liver. We hope you don't donate your heart. Wouldn't be a good thing. No, we we don't. We we prefer that. Uh, Hold that on to your heart, right? You, until yeah. you're gone, and then yeah. give it away. Right after you're gone. Very good. How so about that's I the story tomorrow night about. Well, donation. and you also have uh, your friend, um, Doctor Stu Birdall. Doctor oh. Birdall does eye some type of tissue transplant. Is that new to be transplanting things for your eyes? No, kid, uh, that's not cor- new. Corneal transplant is is really quite old. I oh, mean, okay. it's been around a long time. Uh, the the but it's uh, not the whole eye then. The in you know, it's just no. the outside part of the eye. It's just this that kind of that outside transparent skin that covers the eyeball okay. or uh, covers the iris and then the pupil. Now that has to be from a cadaver, I would think. That's it's from nothing a you could give. No, you don't give no, that one. We don't want to give that away. No. Okay. But, um, but that isn't that unusual. That's huh? the most common transplant there is. Is the wow. corneal transplant. Corneal transplant. Now, the wow. interesting thing is now they do a uh, uh, internal uh, transplant uh, for Fuchs dystrophy. So, you know, the cornea is this thin, transparent skin that covers the, the uh, iris. And, um, and then what happens is inside that cornea, there's another lining uh, that sometimes gets uh, hazy, and they will shave off the inside of the cornea and transplant it inside the cornea that that that's in that's fascinating that's it, fascinating it overwhelms i mean really i was up to dr thompson's office when i had my cataract surgery i'm amazed by what they can do it's just amazing as i told you i have not been without glasses since i was 14 years old and now i have great vision no need for eyeglasses it's just amazing it is amazing you know the uh, biggest part of the vision focusing is not from the lens it is from the cornea that i didn't know either that's why they were able to switch your vision so that you could see better with uh, messing around with your cornea well they did it and i'm happy say we need to take a break we really appreciate all of you listening if you have any questions last week we had more questions coming in maybe they're listening again this week we'll see we'd love to have you call at 692-1430 keep in mind if you're out of town call, dial 605 then 692-1430 we will be back right after these words the avera medical group brookings wants you to know the benefits of breastfeeding Did you know that breast milk has ideal nutrients for babies, contains important antibodies to fight viruses and bacteria, may reduce disease risk, promotes a healthy weight, and has positive effects on long-term brain development? Talk with your provider about the benefits of breastfeeding. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. I'm Joan Hogan, and Dr. Holmes is here with me. And we were talking about his TV program, which will be on tomorrow night, live, first one of the season. All the college kids are back to run the cameras, and you yep. can now put on a show. That's it. That a lot we, of people don't realize you can't put the show on if the college kids aren't there to help out. That's right. You know, in the old days, you know, we've been doing this is our 18th season. That's amazing When we to did me. this for the first six or seven years, uh, we had students uh, through the summer that would have jobs through the summer, and we did 50 shows a year. Oh, my. That'd be exhausting, Now too. we do 32 shows a year, 32, 33, 34, something like that. And then we have reruns in the summer because we don't have students to do the camera work. And, uh, and so that's the changes uh, that's happened with us. And, and my happiness 
is has increased because <laughs> you it's have nice a little have, break during the summer. It's nice right. to have a summer break so you can work on your novel. You realize you don't work quite as hard for radio, do you? No, I really it, it, radio is a little easier. <laughs> Bob's Bob, the one who does all the Bob work. Does you the and work. I just come sit we, here and gab. Blah, and blah, 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 blah. That's us, but Bob <laughs> is there every day working away. So I heard a new segment is going to be a, a sock puppet thing for the kids at Dr. Home is going okay. to do a little thing. <laughs> Maybe the, I didn't tell you about that one no. yet. No, no, that's a new one. Hey, during the break, we did have one question coming in about anti-rejection drugs. Are they still being used? Are they necessary for kidney, or have we gotten past that? We used to use a shotgun method where you would uh, use uh, old chemotherapy d- drugs, lower doses, you know, those kinds of things. And there were side effects that were quite significant. But we've gotten to where we have a 22 bullet, you know, that is just aimed at exactly the target. It, it takes it down. It's low dose, uh, hardly any side effects. And it, it uh, allows a person's immune system to still work, but it doesn't take out the kidney or it doesn't take out the heart, or it doesn't take out the liver. Um, those are the, the big uh, donor organs that you need to have trans- anti-rejection drugs. You don't need anti-rejection drugs for corneal transplants. You don't. Uh, or skin transplants, uh, or other kinds of, of uh, transplants, uh, but you do with those big organs. No okay. question about that. Well, that makes sense. Do, uh, are there a lot of people waiting for transplants, or has that kind of caught up now? It is not no. caught up. No, I think there's 90,000 people on the waiting list right now. You can transplant something like 30,000 organs a year or less. And, oh uh, my. you know, the, the, that's the deal a lot is, of people. yeah, that's a lot of people. The cadaver donors, you know, the, 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 um, the piece, people who were motorcycle uh, uh, head injury kind of people, well, or any head injury kind Don't of Don't just person. look at motorcycles and I'm look sorry, at Bob. Look That's at Bob. not fair. Bob nods with a smile, <laughs> knowing full well that there's a risk there. There is a risk. In uh, there's a, a risk for everything. So yeah. anyway, uh, my, my take-home message is that there are a lot of people who um, – who would benefit from a live donor kidney, for example. And, and uh, you don't need to be related. And uh, you can even do a, uh, when you've, you know a friend in Florida that needs a kidney, uh, my wife wanted to donate my, uh, her kidney until I came down with pancreatic cancer. And she, she, wants, she put she that on a she shelf. She better hang on. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you, you can do that where you say, I would donate to, to um, Stuart. And, uh, but what you, you do is you go into a group of about 50, you get the perfect transplant. You don't know whether it was you that goes to Stewart or goes to one of the other 50. And the other 50 donors, what, he may get the perfect match from one of the other 50. So that's, uh, that, you know, the closer you can get to the match, the better. There's a lot of learning that went on and that has saved a lot of lives by that. That's fantastic. The other thing for people to know if you are, I, I think I'm probably too old to be a donor. Is there an age on donors? Well, we've been rejecting people and rejecting de- cadaver donors in the U.S. compared to what they've done in Europe. And we've got to change our ways because they're transplanting in Europe uh, a, a lot uh, more than we are. And we are too, too selective, cautious? I think. Too, yeah, too cautious. Bob, you had a question. How about uh, bone marrow transplants? Bone marrow transplants, uh, a lot of people will... Uh, Sign up uh, for a bone marrow uh, uh, transplant, and, and you know you give your blood, and they find out exactly what your 
your genetic uh, makeup is. And then when somebody uh, uh, comes across uh, that needs that, that particular uh, blood, then they come and they draw blood from you out of your arm. Just like, I mean, it's not like they go in and they dig into your, your hip anymore. Uh, now they just take it out of your blood. It's a wonderful gift. Uh, a dear friend of ours uh, had a bone marrow transplant from some donor somewhere yeah. in Europe. Could and I ask? Five years later, she get, she came and met the lady. Oh, that's know. cool. Yeah. I cut you off. I was just when you said they get it from the blood. Does that mean bone marrow is running through our blood, in in our blood? I didn't understand what okay, you said so there. Okay, so where do you think the the white cells, the platelets, the red cells? You know, all our immune system. Where do you think those cells are made? They're made in the bone marrow. Okay. And so what happens is, um, and of course, they have pluripotential uh, cells in the bone marrow, which means, oh, there's a call for platelets. So it turns into a megakaryocyte that, makes in, that uh, breaks down into platelets. Or they turn into the pluripotential cells, could turn into in, in anything turn into the T cell or turn into the leukocyte that needs to be there or the red cell. So um, what you do is you spin off and you try to get just the right kinds of, of uh, bone marrow cells uh, that work. And then when you have a person who has leukemia, for example, you wipe out their bone marrow, kill all of the cells, including the cells that have cancer in it. And uh, then they're without any, any white cells, any red cells, any, anything being made, right? But there's this window of opportunity. And then you tra transplant them with a pluripotential cell. Which you, is blood. Which is it's in blood. Which is, in, uh, which is from the blood. That's okay. exactly I kind of thought that they were digging it out of your bone. I, I must they live in the to. past. Oh, they did. Okay, I do live in the past. But now they can get the bone marrow from, from your, your blood. blood. That's amazing. So it'd be an easy transplant, actually. It's just not donating a, blood. What a wonderful gift of life to just give blood in a way where they take that, they they spin it, they take out the special pluripotential cells, you know, and then they give you back the blood that you just gave, and you do that, you know, that's, um, it's called plasma, for, well, it's called That's phoresis. amazing. That's anyway. fantastic. Saving lives. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after these words. Rabies is a virus that infects wildlife, especially bats, raccoons, skunks, and foxes in the U.S. It can spread to people and pets when they are bitten or scratched, causing fever, agitation, and death. Rabies is 100% preventable with post-exposure prophylaxis that includes rabies vaccine and medications to fight infection as long as people get the prophylactic medication before the symptoms starts. Understanding the risk of rabies and knowing what to do after contact with wildlife can save lives. If you have contact with a wild animal, talk with your primary care provider immediately so that post-prophylactic medication can be started as needed. This is brought to you by the Vera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. During the break, Bob brought up an interesting question. And, um, as he always does. As he the break. always does. <laughs> as he always does. You want to phrase it, Bob? Well, I was just asking Dr. Holm about stem cells and how maybe they have changed the face of transplants and also changes that you've seen in your career 
Boy, I, I think about the lady who was this beautiful young 35-year-old mother of like three kids and just uh, vibrant and fun. And here she is at Grady Hospital. She couldn't afford, they couldn't afford anything. They're at the city county uh, hospital. And uh, her family was hovering around her and she was getting uh, chemotherapy and she had beat this for like three months already. And that's about the time they expected it to, to, to not work. Right. you know start to get the resistance and uh, we'd we'd what we'd have a happy friendly you know and how you're doing you're doing great that's all one really we walk away and the doctor would learn lean over and say you know she's not going to last another month or two you know and of course Just break your heart. she didn't she didn't oh um, and then here i am you know in the mid 80s uh looking at a dear friend uh on a on a parade on the float on a float at hobo day parade and she's just white as a ghost and the next day I'm making rounds, and there she is in the room. And uh, I found out from her doctor that he, th he thinks she has leukemia. She has, he hasn't told her yet. And I'm going, <laughs> oh. but we can make that diagnosis right here and now. And so I did the bone marrow test, and, of course, she, it came back leukemia. And we set her up uh, with uh, the, the experts at, uh, in Sioux Falls, and they uh, facilitate a bone marrow transplant at the Mayo and she's still alive. Isn't that amazing? You I know, mean, I that's just... That's a matter of 20 years, maybe. Difference. Holy you know. Toledo. I mean, the, the advances that are going on right now. The You've seen a few changes in your lifetime, haven't you? the therapy that we're using now for cancer, which, of which I am on one uh, right now. You're taking an immunotherapy yourself. Right. And doing well in it, you hope. You we hope you we'll are? find out 9-11. Yeah. 9-11. On a 9-11, I get my CAT scan, and they'll decide, oh, it's working. Oh, it's not. You well, know, it's going to be that. positive. We're planning on it. I'm hoping It'll for it. It'll be good. Yeah. See, talking about positive <laughs> things, I was so impressed. Barb Anderson works for Rick and puts together a lot of things, and she just sent a notice to all of Rick's uh, coworkers that the Yankton Press in Dakota, a newspaper in Yankton, just confirmed they're going to run Prairie Doc Perspective every week. Prairie Doc Perspective is the column that Dr. Holm writes each week. It's always in the Brookings Register. So if you're listening in Brookings, you see that column every week. You may not know that 112 newspapers in one, two, three, five states now run Prairie Doc Perspective. There's 66 newspapers in South Dakota, 28 in Kansas, 4 in Nebraska, 12 in North Dakota, Two in Wyoming and none in Massachusetts. What happened? What's the problem? Why not Massachusetts? Why not Massachusetts? Don't kids? you want Dr. Holmes' program? <laughs> she, 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 not a guess. Just not a guess. Charlie, you want to tell Charlie, Dr. Holmes about that? So tell me about newspapers. Do you ever read the newspaper? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> My well-educated grandkids. Well, that's it. Definitely that's something not. that you but might I think just get that's into really later impressive, on. Dr. Holmes, and I, I really. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm honored. Applaud Barb for getting for well, reaching out that. to these yeah. uh, stations too. She's done uh, not stations, but newspapers. She's done a really good job of reaching out. But there'd be nothing to reach out if he had not written a good column, right? Well, it's got to so, be a good column, or they well, wouldn't be is. picking it up. And I'm trying to make it as good as I can make it. Well, you do, and I'm I'm really <laughs> impressed. And I'm, there'll be a new one tomorrow night, right? Yeah, Bob. In Boston, they'll use newspapers to wrap up fish at the fish market. Yeah. So eventually. 
it's going to come to pass. We just have to be we patient. Just, we have to wait for the Boston fish wrapper. Yeah. Uh, then maybe they'll it run up. it in the Boston Globe. Wouldn't it be nice oh, to boy. see Dr. Holm in your newspaper once a week? Of course, you'd have to read the paper then, Charlie. Yeah. So, Charlie, have you thought about going into medical school? No. You haven't? No. What have you thought of doing? What do you, what do you think you might be? Um, a scientist or an MBA star. Oh, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Have I you like thought that. about what you're going to be? No. Not at all? Well, what does your mother do, Katie? My mom's an architect. And she is an octopus? Architect. <laughs> architect. Architect. Not an octopus. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like she has enough arms to be an architect, right? Oh. Or an octopus, but, but she is an architect. Yes. So, well, I think any of those things would be really good to do. What you need to do, though, I think, most of all, is follow your bliss. Now, Look for the things that you love to do and expand on that. And I like, you know, if you're not going to be a... a, a NBA? An MBA player. Maybe you're going to be a writer about the MBA. You that know, would be cool. That would be cool, too. You yeah. can. There's a lot of areas in that whole field, you know, but follow your bliss. Take the things that make you happy. That, isn't it a good thing to go to work every day and love what you're doing? I think that that's been a joy of mine. I had a wonderful life full of looking forward to going to work. And that's wonderful. You want to look forward to going to work. Yes. Absolutely. That's good. Um, talking about getting to work, we just had a person calling in and is wondering how can they deal with insomnia if they keep waking up too early in the morning? In other words, they get to sleep, but they wake up too early. Okay. And they want to get to work, but they're half asleep halfway through the yeah. day because yeah. they can't sleep during the night. Yeah. Well, one thing you might check to see uh, if you have sleep apnea. Uh, one of the things that uh, indicates that you could have sleep apnea has to do with snoring. It has to do with observed apneic spells where you don't breathe and then you snort. Uh, that can be part of it. Some people who have perfect sleep habits uh, just wake up early. They they're done with the they're done with their their night of sleep. Or there's the others. Uh, uh, my s oldest son has this experience. He'll wake up at about three, and three in the morning. Three in the morning, and he'll have about an hour of kind of semi pondering, thinking over what he's done, what he's gonna do. Uh, maybe he'll read, turn on the light. Well, I've gotten that myself. And then at about four, uh, after an hour of middle of the night wakefulness, which many people have, back to sleep. Uh, I do think that uh, uh, the worst thing you can do is fret about it. Get angry with yourself. Get, you know, just roll over, turn the light on, and read. Uh, you know, the problem is if you get a good novel, you, <laughs> you read too well. <laughs> I was going to say, I never knew if that was a good idea rather than fight sleep if you just wake up and be awake for an hour and then go back to sleep. Yes. I thought maybe that's not good, but that's you're saying natural. it is good. That's, that's natural. really natural. Well, good. And probably nothing better for your uh, life than finding a niche in the noonish after lunch time and take a 15, 30-minute nap. There was just something in the newspaper in the past two days that said um, the best, most effective nap is 25 minutes. And I thought, sometimes I've dozed off for 25 minutes and thought, I shouldn't have done that, but I feel good the rest of the day. Oh, so wow. it is good. Oh, it's... Uh, 25 even, minutes? Even if you have a five-minute nap, Seriously. it interrupts what is called the reticular activating system, 
and it empowers it to get you through the afternoon. So you, you, you want to take a little bit of a nap. Maybe you just go into a quiet deal, close your eyes, and then series of relaxation uh, with your breaths and relax your whole body and let yourself go for a while. Maybe you won't sleep, but, uh, but that relaxed. kind of a meditation period of letting go, relaxing, uh, is wonderful for your, um, your system. So for this person calling, if they're worried about early morning awakening, just get the amount it. of sleep you need and you should be okay. And then, you know, sometimes people have early morning awakening when they're depressed oh. or there's something that's bothering them. And so really talk to your uh, care provider about that, your PA, your nurse practitioner, your doctor, and say, I'm, I'm having this early morning awakening. And the question you should hear f- from her or him is, you know, what's bothering you right now? Is there, have you been sad lately for without any reason? Uh, you know, it, it is a trigger to hunt for uh, depression. And sometimes depression is nobody's fault. I mean, it's just there. There's, right. there, it's like diabetes. It just comes on and, and that's it. Fortunately, in this world, at least I think in this century, we've come to the point where depression is not hidden. People are aware that people do have depression and you can deal with it and there is help out in there, women. right? Oh, men are men never depressed. Not. Oh, of course. <laughs> men, are, men, men still live in denial. There's nothing wrong with me. Right. Oh. <laughs> there, there's the big deniers in our world. Okay. They don't want to admit depression. Actually, depression in men, men <laughs> depression in men sometimes comes out as anger or it comes out as ulcers or it comes out as low back pain. You don't want to have to say you've got a, you know, depression. And right. so... Guys will, uh, you got to listen to, you know, uh, wives out there, look hard at your husband. And it, and it isn't depression, it is anger, it's whatever it is. Help them with it. That's the right. deal. Make sure they get the help they need. We're going to take our final break and be right back. August is National Immunization Awareness Month. Here are just a few ideas of how you can promote immunizations. Talk with your friends and family members about how vaccines aren't just for kids. Shots can protect people of all ages from serious diseases. Encourage people in your community to get the flu vaccine every year. Invite a doctor or nurse to speak to parents about why it's important for kids to get vaccinated. If you have questions about immunizations, talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. This has been an interesting discussion with Dr. Holm. And we did have a question come in that has nothing to do with anything we've discussed, but it's medical, so we'll get to it. The person called and wants to know about using Jell-O to help strengthen fingernails. Does it have to be prepared, or can you sprinkle dried powder on yogurt or cottage cheese? I never knew that Jell-O helped your fingernails. Are you familiar with this? Well, Jell-O itself is made from uh, fruit pectin. It, it solidifies with pectin. It is not gelatin. Gelatin is a protein that is different. And so people, you know, just doing jello is not... It's not uh, going to help your fingernails? Okay. And actually, probably, gelatin is not going to either, the original gelatin. The reality is they're all protein. Your body will break the proteins down. They'll make your fingernails back by the protein. I think the best thing for your fingernails is a balanced diet that has enough fruits and vegetables in it. 
And if you think that uh, you want to do something to give yourself the best protein that would enhance the growth of your nails, it's eggs. 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 And eggs are good for you. We used to think that they're terrible for you. That's, we learned that that was wrong. There's new data also about vitamin D that we could talk about maybe next week, except to say that we know vitamin D levels indicate a risk factor for all-cause death. You know, 30% difference in low vitamin D to high vitamin D. But I have to say that replacing it with vitamin D, we're finding more and more doesn't seem to change it. What you really need to have is exposure to old soul. Good old sunshine. We got it. Yes, we and, and you know, exercise would not, it wouldn't hurt to have a little exercise to put that old soul in your, in your body. And of course, through the winter, we can't get enough sun, but you might, you know, go south for a little bit. Are we running out of time? We're running out of time. I'm cutting you off, and I will, I, will, <laughs> I will make a comment to all of our listeners, hoping that you have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit us at www.prairiedoc.org. Rick, that's all for this week. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, kids. And stay healthy out there, people.